You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Mira. I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kat, Alex, and Babic to discuss the topic of effective leadership. So they're all from the tech industry, and they'll be sharing their insights and thoughts and experiences on this important subject. So before we sort of jump into all the questions of today, I'll get Alex, if you want to introduce yourself to everyone, please. Yes, hi, it's, uh, I'm Alex Rantos. Uh, I have been working at uh, Build.com uh, for the for over a year and a half. Actually, we started as Invoice to Go. We were just uh, recently acquired by Build.com. And um, at Invoice to Go, we had our mission was to actually provide the tools for micro businesses to, you know, issuing invoices and um, make it easy to organize themselves and, and engage with the customers uh, in order to, to be successful. Um, I have been, uh, um, my passion about uh, work is to actually have fun while I'm doing it and <laughs> Love uh, that. build great teams that uh, it's not only confined to the workplace, but also we have uh, um, life outside work. In fact, uh, from previous companies, we still hang out, uh, you know, from 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, so nice. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alex. And Kat, if you wanted to go next as well. Hey, my name is Kat, Kat Hyams. I'm the founder of the Good Human Society and also an agile coach. I'm currently partnered with Woolies X. I'm working on a newly formed platform that's got seven tribes, multiple chapters, uh, multiple practices, many, many squads. And the thing I guess I'm most passionate about and love the most is I get to bring to life the, I guess, the partnership between engineering product and design to create the most valuable outcomes for customers and also partnering with leaders to create ecosystems that make it easy for people to enjoy doing what they do. Thanks so much, Kat. And last but not least, Babak. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Babak, Babak Rafat. I'm, I'm the CTO for StockPay. We're a startup uh, which recently started uh, building a product in a fintech environment. And uh, this is uh, aimed toward retail investors to uh, buy and share uh, stocks and um, equities in uh, global markets. And um, I'm coming from Zip, uh, where previously I was working as a leader as well um, to uh, help our, our merchant side of the product. And um, I'm, I'm passionate about uh, leadership and startups. That's hence why I joined this startup recently. <laughs> and um, sure. yeah, uh, like Alex, and I, I love to build products and help my team to grow and uh, get to next level. Amazing. Thank you so much. And then we'll jump into the question. So we're starting off with Alex's question today, and that is how trust is incredibly important in a high-performing team. So as leaders, how can we create trust within these teams? So Alex, if you wanted to sort of start things off, give some context around that as well. Yeah, I think that uh, in order to collaborate with someone, you need to be... and to be effective in your in your work, especially when you're part of a team, you need to trust everybody around you. Um, I have been in organizations that they have been very toxic and you spend more time watching over your shoulder rather than actually doing the work. So, uh, and the other side of things is that um, 
it, when things go wrong, you have to be able to um, uh, say it uh, uh, out loud and bring everybody's attention without, um, you know, worrying that you're going to cop consequences. Um, that way, you can easily uh, uh, fix things before they become big problems. So trust, in my opinion, is, uh, is one of the important pillars of uh, an effective team. Sure, thank you. Babic, do you have any th thoughts on that? Obviously, coming from a team which is fairly quite new, would you say, how have you found that compared to Zipco? Well, um, in, in terms of our trust, um, what, what, I, what I find uh, there is that uh, you, need to, you need to be transparent with your team and like, you know, make transparency part of your culture. When you when you allow them to express themselves and like come up with blockers, and if they don't like be afraid of bringing up the problems, which is which is a toxic culture, if they are not afraid, then um, you you build the trust within the team to make sure that everyone can um, you know raise like you know their voice and like uh, bring up problems, and also not being afraid of getting uh, any uh, adverse like feedback them um, and also like uh, showing to your team that you genuinely care about them yeah. create that environment of trust you can you can't you can't fake fake that if you fake it they would like you know uh, soon realize that uh, it's not genuine genuinity and also like you know transparency I think that th those are the keys to to make make trust between your like within your team we've sort of found a similar experience there Kat yeah, it's, it takes a while to gain and it requires action and transparency. Completely agree with Alex and Babak there. And it also, I believe it needs leaders that are actively invested in creating, uh, I call them guardrails, but sort mm -hmm. of the thinking that the team might be struggling to understand. You're demonstrating that you're there for them. You're demonstrating that you're there with them. You're listening to them and you're either acting on something or it brings to life the transparency piece you're sharing with the team the context as to why something may not be able to be acted on so that you're you're bringing it full circle and they're understanding why you may be saying no but they're understanding why you may be saying yes and the more that comes together I mean you've got problems as a leader if no one's bringing you problems that's that's the biggest sign that something's wrong. So you're constantly looking to foster that because the more you understand, the more context you gain, the easier it is to unlock the opportunities. 100%. <laughs> and I guess, have you found anything specifically that's had any past experiences where something really hasn't worked there? Do you want to jump in first, fellows? <laughs> <laughs> Because we could probably draw on a lot between the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, uh, well, I have I have uh, screwed things up before <laughs> in my career. Early, early At least career, you can so admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where I try to, um, you know, to, to to establish trust with someone who was actually feeling left out. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what the situation was, the psychological state of the individual. And I kept on talking a lot. So I realized, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife keeps on, on reminding me that talking is not the way to, to do it. It's more like <laughs> asking questions rather than actually preaching. Yeah. Um, where, you know, another time uh, in, in my previous uh, job, I was passing 
actually that's the opposite example where it, it has worked well is that um, uh, this uh, person was really um, uh, happy and uh, good to talk and I passed him and he didn't look really well and mm. I said hey oh, uh, that's right I said hey how are you doing and it's like ah oh, yeah okay and I thought that's that's not him so when I asked him what's wrong he said to me that you know his mother was very sick he was um, from Southeast Asia so he was and then uh, I found that he was really upset and devastating he had um, he was far away from his family he had a lot of problems you know going on and I, I you know and he didn't get a pay rise because of a technicality that he mm -hmm. deserved and you know i i didn't promise him that i'll, I'll get the pay rise for him but you know i said <laughs> i'll do my best <laughs> sure. um, but uh you know by just actually listening um he actually felt much better although i didn't do much for him at the time and uh eventually we we managed to get him the pay rise get him to go back to to see his family while it was important and you know he he was very happy after that so that that was a good example good outcome yeah the uh, the first one didn't go very well <laughs> the person <laughs> really... <laughs> not what you want but it's something you can learn from for sure and Vavik, it's good to hear some of your experiences as well you've um, got a couple to share on that point um um the other the other thing that i, I encourage my team to do is to be proactive and not reactive to the problems like when when you like you know um uh, encourage your team to um, look at the problems proactively, like look ahead instead of like, you know, waiting for instructions and direction. Then that uh, that, that would create a trust uh, within your team because then they, they understand that like this, they, they own the product. One of the like um, um, basically uh, visions that we had at Zip, one of, one of our like uh, uh, values was the owning it at zip and it was it was a pretty like i would say um, interesting one because um, people were doing it really good at zip like everyone was owning what they were doing and that would that would create uh, a better culture within the team because people know that this is their own product they can you know give it life they can like maintain it and they can um uh, come up with uh you know, new ideas that that would create a trust that this is like you know what they're working on is actually theirs, and um, they can they can um, like you know happily build and enjoy it. And um, obviously, that on uh, on the uh, point that um, Alex was talking about, making sure that you listen to your team members that that's a that's a really good point. And also, sometimes people don't bring up the problems when they when you like you know talk to them like having a time. constant one-on-one -on -one mm. that i'm always having like something that i never miss is a one -on weekly one-on-one -on -one. because even though you talk to your team members they sometimes don't bring up the problems mm. they they like some especially engineers they're really like reserved uh, you need to make sure that they trust you to open up and tell you about the problem and that takes time, like creating that um, uh, culture takes some time. Definitely. I think sometimes less, saying less is more. <laughs> Let the other person talk. 
I think for trust, the other pieces I'd bring to life are 100% with both of you and I'm with you, Alex, about owning what you've got wrong. Being humble is incredibly important as a leader, being able to read a space and see the reactions to something you might be sharing and catching yourself to say, I believe I've just stepped off on the wrong foot or I believe this hasn't landed or this seems quite confusing. Can you please help me course correct? It's important to be humble and ask for that because you can see it happen immediately, whether you're virtual or whether you're in person. But ultimately, there's an expression which is word is bond. Your word is your bond. So if you say you're going to do something, do the thing you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Honour that thing. If you discover that thing that you wanted to honour isn't possible, always give the context as much as you can. Sometimes we're bound by things we can't say, but always go back if there's a modification or a reason something cannot be brought to life because what you've shown that person is you trusted them, they matter, the thing matters, and this is where it's at right now. You need to constantly demonstrate it. But if you talk a big game and never bring it to life, you've lost trust. You just eradicate it every single time because you do nothing. Like talk is cheap. (laughs) I love that point about sort of giving context as well is important, I think. Totally. <laughs> no, perfect. Can I, can I bring yeah, up another on. like point? On, on, on the, like, I'm, I'm totally with you, like, uh, Kat, about um, asking for feedback. And I, I haven't seen that in many leaders. They don't ask for feedback because of the maybe uh, insecurity or ego. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a point that I've seen in, like, you know, many people. But, like, making yourself vulnerable to feedbacks, that would create more trust within your team because when you ask for them like do you have any feedback for me that would create another layer of uh relationship and um and trust which is not common for sure definitely around asking questions the ones you don't want to ask are usually important ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to Kat's question now um, which I think might even look a little bit different with all the remote working happening but um, the question is, how can leaders demonstrate collaboration to their teams and organisations to solve problems or unlock opportunities together? So if you wanted to comment on that first, Kat. I do, and I think it already builds on the conversation that we're having right now. So what I've seen, I've been very, very fortunate in my career to see average, extraordinary and a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um But for this to come to life, the kind of leaders that bring this to life, they're pragmatic, um, they are prepared to be humble, they're active leaders that value creating legacies that matter through collaboration, they're prepared to unlearn what they think they know and be curious about different ways to do this. And as we've all said, they're courageous, they are humble and they're prepared to be uncomfortable. So when I think about the things that I've seen come to life for solving problems, working together, demonstrating it to the org or to the team, the first question that belongs on, in my opinion, every single leadership weekly catch-up is this. And what else have you asked your, whether it's team, function, discipline, what else have you asked them to undertake 
in addition to their current focus and what outcome do you hope to accomplish? Now, whether you've got five leaders, 15 leaders or 20 leaders, all of a sudden they're in the same boat. They've all got to be vulnerable. But the beauty of that question, the ask, all the ask will all of a sudden become very visible. As leaders, you can unintentionally constrain a system because you're all not having that conversation and you're unaware of it. The other beauty of asking that question is it surfaces opportunities and it surfaces problems. Now, if you're that kind of leader I described, they're the kind of people that grab that. They're like, well, that's interesting. That aligns to something I've been trying to do. And then you can view all those asks quite like we view a product backlog and you can bring it to life with some really easy lean thinking, problem or opportunity. What do we think would solve it? How would we measure success? Oh, our hypothesis is, so let's go talk to the people that we're currently asking to do all this extra stuff. Instead of asking them when something's going to be done, why don't we ask ourselves first what we're asking? So I think that has been a very potent question from some of the best leaders I've worked with. And I've seen the growth that's come from that. The other that I've seen in terms of solving problems and opportunities, and I'm not sure if you've all read this book, but it's called Be More Pirate. Be More Pirate, phenomenal book. But it's all about creating good trouble or mutinies that matter. So as a leadership group, what you can do is you can say to your teams, tell me all the stupid rules. I want to know all the stupid rules right now that get in the way mm. of you loving the culture, loving the organisation, growing your career and working easily and effectively. Once you've asked the question of the teams, you've got to be prepared to be curious about what comes back. <laughs> but the next step, you say to the teams, okay, cool. What are the top five problems that if they went away today, would create better. So that's the mutiny that matters piece. So the teams will tell you the top five things. And it's not about whether you agree or disagree. You're giving them permission to tell you something different that potentially you don't know with a different lens on it. Surfacing problems is one thing, but now you've got to empower those teams and say, alrighty, over to you. Remake that stupid rule with something better. Remake the rule. Please tell me what better would look like. Make it measurable and tell, just describe the thing, yeah? So that information comes back. You are obviously not the one facilitating this session. <laughs> but you get that information back and you leaders will, will be able to look at that and go, holy cow, there are three really easy wins we could get after. We could fix that within a week and demonstrate collaboration as a group and to the teams. Do that thing. If it's medium, go investigate. If it's more longer term, and longer term, you're usually looking at, you know, legislation, compliance, people and culture, moving from manual testing to investing in automation. Like There's all sorts of things, but it might take you a bit more to realise it. They are two of the easiest ways I've watched leaders be brave, be humble, get after things that matter, collaborate together, but more importantly, show the teams that are so often asked to collaborate, what it looks like in action. I, mean, I guess the final point that I'd add to that, and I'm not sure there'll be any disagreement to this one, <laughs> is how you turn up matters. So when you see that leader that's 
constantly asking to engage, but they're doing these ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just solve the problems of the world. Like Slack's more importantly, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't actively listening to you. I asked for your time. I didn't tune in. I need you to repeat yourself. When you do that, if teams start to mimic that, you've got to own the responsibility that you've just shown them the standard. And picking up on, um, Babic, what you said earlier, could we leaders stop asking surveys about what you think about the company, ask for direct feedback on yourselves, take the 360 concept, bring it to life by a 10 questions and genuinely be open to being a better leader by asking about how you work as a leadership group. I realise that that's a big answer and there's a lot in it. <laughs> Hopefully no, some it super interesting Because <laughs> I'd really, I, I'm so curious to see, Alex and Babrik, how you as leaders have brought different parts to life or was there anything there that you've done or that you do that adds to that? <laughs> Who wants to take it away? <laughs> Feel like, oh. I can take it. Um <clears throat> It's it's an interesting point, and I completely agree with that. Uh, but I'm gonna like more elaborate more on the uh, the like ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, one of the uh, um, like methods that I'm using is the weekly one of one, and I've got two questions: what what we're doing good, and what's the worst thing that we're doing right now, and how can we improve it? And interestingly, the first question is like. What like what you're impressed with is like yeah it's all good like you know there's no like you know really uh, like um, specific answer but for the like what's the worst thing we're doing there's always something there's always something that they come back with like you know I'm not impressed with this or can we change like it can be really like deeply technical or can be cultural um, technical from like you know uh, we need to do better for the uh, peer reviews. Or like cultural, like, you know, I thought we, we need to be more organized around, like, you know, doing our um, product reviews. And um, that's that's pretty interesting. That's a that's a um, that's an observation that I've had uh, um, so far. And um, we also have um, in terms of our agile, uh, like, you know, way of working um, product, uh, the, the um, uh, retro sessions are really really useful and what i what i realize is that many companies many teams uh ignore like pro, like you know retro session they think it's not worth to do it but when you do it you realize how effective would it be like um we've had lots of our especially at zip uh, we had a lot of uh, good outcomes out of the um retro sessions and um that that would make team involved and um, to to allow them to uh, come up with their um, um, you know feedbacks and then you can you can improve like you can it, it it's like a product the culture your culture is like a product you iterate on that you make it better every sprint until you get to that pinnacle and yeah like it's 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 a, it's a really like a um, critical thing to ask for. You ask, ask your team about yourself and what you're not doing well and also about your organization and how we can get better. It's very difficult to top <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> these two guys. So I, I'm, I'm going to go completely perpendicular 
and uh, talk a little bit about an experience I had when I was working for Defense, mm-hmm. where once I sort of established my team and you know they were working, I my my then manager said, "You're not you're not supposed to be doing any work. You just make sure that they do work. <laughs> Your team works. Not you know like you're not right. You're not coding. You're not writing any documents. You don't do anything like that, right? So." Mm-hmm. Just make sure that everybody in your team is is doing these things. So I had a lot of free time in my hands, and uh, you know, being already you know having the bug of doing a bit of engineering, I would see what they were going to be doing in the future. So I started you know making a bit of um, you know prototypes or you know spikes or you know do a bit of a design, you know talk to the architects, you know, and. You know, I got a good understanding what the problems were going to be, where they were going. And then when they actually had to do the work, I would be able to guide them through, you know, the, the problems they had. And I I realized that the leader is, is, you always have to have like this kind of insight as to what's coming in the future. So you can actually guide your team. And that, I never told them what to do. I always told them, you know, challenge them or, or question them or ask them if they saw the problems, you know, they lay ahead. But the that sort of led into another style of collaboration where, you know, when I uh, when I was in Atlassian, I was doing this domain model and then I had to onboard three teams with this domain model. And I thought that I could easily just, you know, show them, you know, the the model on a whiteboard, draw it for them, and it'll be yet another boring sort of session. Alex says, <laughs> talks too much. <laughs> so instead of that, every team, we had three three different sessions, two-hour sessions. And I started with like, tell me what do you think it was about projects in Zira? Um, and I said, what do you think makes projects in Zira? Like what, what do we have in, in projects? And you know, people will start throwing ideas and I would draw them. And, you know, would actually, I'll say, how does this concept relate to this concept? And together, we actually collaborate to create a new model that everybody owned. And I think one of the key things about practically working with your team to collaborate is to actually work with them and ask them to do it themselves with you actually scribing rather than actually telling what it is. The trick there is, of course, I I already knew the solution and I knew pretty much where the the pitfalls were. So I would actually ask and guide them to the, you know, not correct solution because I was actually surprised that people brought new things into into view that I didn't think of. And that's the great thing about collaboration. But, uh, um, you know, that's like the first step in getting a team to gel together and start working together and exchanging ideas without you know, worrying about judgment, etc. They are such cool insights. <laughs> I love them. Thanks. That's great, everyone. Have you had? Has anyone had to do sort of major differences and sort of more remote working um, in terms of collaboration? Have you done anything differently or found anything that works quite well? I've experienced uh, um, when you started like going fully remote, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a really bonded team. Like you were, like the team was enjoying, like we're enjoying uh, working together. So we thought we like, you know, create an open room in Zoom. So everyone can jump in and have a chat with each other. 
and that room was always like there was someone always like in the room chatting with someone else and that was that was an interesting point like human like human is a like you know is a social animal right yeah <laughs> and 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 we, we love to like you know have a chat with, with our team members and that's that's the biggest problem of working from home because mm -hmm. you don't get that bond and that that was the, that was the problem that we tried to solve it solved it a bit like you know it was better than like being completely isolated and just yeah. like uh, you know, keep it to uh, formal meeting. Do you have any experience there, Alex, as well? Yeah, no, I, I really want to try what uh, Babak said. You know, we haven't done this yet uh, at invoice to go but um, I found that, uh, you know, a, a, a collaborative whiteboard is always a good thing. And, um, you know, name dropping Miro has worked for mm -hmm. us really well. Um, we have our designers use Figma, you know, so we can all go and, and check what they're doing. Yeah, we used uh, uh, Miro and Figma and with, Fig with Miro, you can do a lot of things and you can bring people very quickly and, and build things together. Um, so that's, that's, what, that's what has saved our bacon <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Same. And I've just asked teams to find their feet, experiment what feels it's going to feel like too much or it's going to feel like too little. What are your what new rituals do you want to introduce? Is it everybody going, hey, here's my bare feet. This is great. It's three months being barefoot. Is it, <laughs> you know, virtual drinks? Is it having a coffee? Are you in the same area and you want to meet up and go for a walk? It's It's literally just been a case of letting each team find their groove and then when it's been more group-based everybody realizes what doesn't matter anymore and it's mm. much easier to fine-tune the conversation and go let's just get into this this is what matters to people what's valuable and it, it's cut a lot of waste out if anything yeah you would say things are happening more productive and unlocking more problems and opportunities together <laughs> Potentially a bit more focus, like we've just yep. been clear about, we don't need to hear about this, it doesn't really matter. Right now we're really interested in this or could we discuss? So it's just working out what the new language is. Yeah, definitely. And we'll move on to our very last question. How and who do you think needs to be recognised in your team? So do you take the superstar approach or a team empowering approach? So yeah, very important question if you wanted to start things off, Fabric. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge that um, I've seen that many teams, many organizations are, are facing. It's it's about like how do you like uh, recognize your team? You know that like you know um, like few like you know decades ago, people were working solely for the like you know making making an income like you know and some income and like you know make a living out of it, but these days people work for the like you know joy of it as well for the like you know for the uh, achievement to be proud about what they're doing and um, keeping people recognized for their achievements at the workspace that's that's a huge thing because I've seen many talents leave the leave companies because they are not recognized for what they're doing and <clears throat> sometimes you don't have many superstars and um You've got some people like uh, you've got teams that work really well together, but they're not none of them is a, like superstar. And then um, 
usually there are layers like in a product uh, company, you've got layers, you've got salespeople, you've got like product managers, and it comes to engineers. And if you don't take it right at the recognition level, you can easily recognize the salesperson and not the engineers mm -hmm. and make them sad about it. And then that that would like, you know, um, accumulate like th that those like negative points make them leave the organization to seek for somewhere that, uh, you know, recognize them for their efforts and achievements. And um, usually in every company, you've got some superstars, some people who are like the favorites. And by recognizing them on and on, it may usually make other people uh, uncomfortable. And what I, what I think is the would be the better approach is to like you know recognize teams instead of people, and and then uh, like like um, recognize teams like in in a, in a social environment like um, mm. publicly, but recognize individual the superstars privately. That would that would give a better feeling to the team, as they know they are all recognized for what they've done, what they've achieved, and also we make sure that that guy who is the like you know super achiever who is the like you know uh productivity guru that that guy is all that guy or girl is also like you know recognized for the like you know efforts that they're doing obviously um I, yeah I, i'd like to know like you know what what your take is on this um this subject uh, i i love when uh, you know the the usually you have the you know all hands and you know <coughs> They recognize the person who actually stayed up all night and, you know, muscled the biggest problem they had in production and they got it done. And, and in my mind, you know, yes, you have to recognize someone who really went out of their way to actually save the, the world. Mm. But the, you know, the message that it sends to everybody else in the company is that if you want recognition, just screw things up. Or tell your body to screw things up, and you go to save the world. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I mean, if you're smart about it. <laughs> so, so I I believe that uh, you know when you recognize someone publicly, you want to actually recognize their act rather than the person, in order to say, hey, this is the kind of thing we want everybody to demonstrate. So you have to be very choosy, as you said, you know who you recognize publicly. Um, you know, to, to enforce the behavior to the rest of the company. You know, this is the kind of behavior going. Now, of course, when someone has really went out of their way and they did a lot of good things, you know, but it was like an emergency situation, you can recognize them more privately or, you know, you can, you know, you, you don't want to completely ignore them because they, they're uh, important. So the heroes should be like a, a private, a more private, uh, in my opinion, recognition. Um, so that's that's my take in 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 that. Thanks yeah, I agree with both, a hundred percent. Give yeah. that person, if if you've done that thing, you do want the CEO or the CTO or the CEO. You want someone of that elk to even drop you a message and go, "I heard you did this. It was outstanding. It's not the norm. Like we don't want you always, you know, burning the midnight oil or doing that thing." Yeah, definitely. Or uh, you did that thing, I understand you'd like to know more. 
we have something that you could potentially co-lead. Would you be interested? So there's a way to keep nourishing that talent but not to the detriment of the team because teams do succeed together and they fail together and you can bring a a kind of a post-mortem concept. I think, Alex, some of what you said, it's the this happened, what did we learn? here's how a team solved a problem, here's how we're going to try and make sure that problem doesn't happen again. You can take some of those concepts and make it more team-based and show that teamwork is what gets the job done. done. Mm. 100%. And so important right now as well, I guess, to give recognition with how much movement's happening in the market too. It's a very important question you put forward. (laughs) Especially with individual recognition, like you... We're talking about one-on-ones, but like that, uh, you know, they're important. And I think, you know, even in a meeting or or when someone does something good on a stand-up, you know, you can say, hey, that was really great. You know, even just that, you know, it just feel like, oh, you know, I'm on the right track. Um, or if you if someone goes out of their way to take an initiative and you encourage them to do so, and then they don't hear from you <laughs> either way, like whether it was good or bad. Then they go like, well, I don't think this should continue. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. So if you if you say, hey, it was great, and I would love you to, you know, continue with that, or you know, maybe it can be even better if you did this, you know, that that'll build the momentum of something rather than just, you know, ignoring completely. Yeah, that that's that's super important. Like the 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 level of like you know impact that it has on your team, it's like phenomenal. You can't you can't imagine like how it would drive the team culture. The people's like you know, um, 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 you know, um, take on the like you know product, the organization, and how they uh, would put more effort and energy into doing better at what they're doing. That's that's like the mere uh, um, effect of uh, being recognized and encouraged about uh, their their like you know daily job something i have seen go particularly well i worked at this amazing organization incredible leaders they were so far in front of you know what people then get taught about what it means for teamwork or agility or this that and the other but one of the values that we had was freedom within boundaries so we had a lot of freedom to create great outcomes but they always encouraged people to play back what was learned what worked so very much that retro concept we want to share this with you we discovered this thing 100 percent. hit us up if you want to try this so it was very much a team voice that went out but in terms of and it was also a culture where every single one of us 200 and something people we all wanted to keep going forward and the only way you were given opportunities to grow your i guess your individual skills within that team environment was to be humble so the minute you went off piste or got very me, 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 they would bring you back and go, it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about how you lead the team. It's about how you show up. Are you aware this might or might not be happening? So they taught us to be servant leaders and still be individual, individually successful and growing within the confines of a team. And we all excelled. It was brilliant. I've never seen it since. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I know. I know. 
<laughs> something, yeah, hopefully you can bring into your teams as well. Take something from this then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Leave it there for today then, the discussion. But thanks again, Kat and Babic and Alex for your contributions and sharing some of your experience as well. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, great topic on effective leadership. So hopefully everyone got something from it today. So thanks everyone. And we'll see you next time on the installment of the Evolution Exchange. <laughs>